This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Joint Gold Standard Grant Cohn production. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Grant Cohn, fresh off vacation in the Hamptons. What's up, Grant? I'm doing good. Hamptons are fun. I was not at the white party. Somehow they didn't invite me. They didn't decide. They didn't think I was one of the top A-listers in the in the country. Next year. Next year. And me you and got, you, Rob. Is that why you got the white shirt on today? That's what you All were I wear, wear is linens now. All I wear is linen now. I'm a really obnoxious, bougie jerk, and it's fun. We you. are live streaming this on both of our YouTube channels, the Grant Cone channel, the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe both. Going to get into a couple things today. First, I have been diving into the Play Callers podcast series that Grant was making fun of earlier this year when we I found out it was going to come out. Uh, there's a ton of good stuff in there. I haven't finished it yet, but there's so much good stuff in there about Kyle Shanahan and how he works and McVay and their whole thing. So we'll get into that. Plus the Debo interview that everyone is talking about. There is something that people are missing in that interview that jumped out to Grant. So we're going to get into that uh, as well. Let's start with this play callers series. I'm fascinated by it. There's a ton of stuff, but one of the first things I wanted to get into because I thought it was really interesting is when they drafted Robert Griffin III, and this Kyle says this himself, he literally spent a year studying every zone read running quarterback, Tebow, Cam Newton, everyone that was in the league, but he didn't watch any of their college stuff. He watched just how the NFL defenses played them. And then he said, okay, this is how defenses play them. This is the only way they ever get stopped. So I'm just going to do everything out of the pistol and I'll have a zone read option on every single play. And they built the entire offense based on that. And Kyle took his scheme and adapted it for the pistol formation. And guess what? Robert Griffin, the third one rookie of the year. And they ended up playing really well. And he had I'm a Hall of Fame career, and he went on to have so much success. I love that story. The Robert Griffin III story, it's great. It's phenomenal. Well, RG3 is also on this show, and he goes into how they worked everything. But I thought that was fascinating because my question is, like, did they do the same thing for Trey? I don't know. It feels like, to me, they're trying to wedge Trey into Kyle's system. I don't know. I just I thought that was interesting. Well, I think when you look at the, the runs up the middle, you're like, where the hell did that come from? They did that a lot at North Dakota State. But mm -hmm. at North Dakota State, Trey Lance was like running over defenders. You know, <laughs> he like, like Josh Allen does. And I think Kyle Shanahan thought that maybe Trey would be able to do that in the NFL. No, absolutely not. So I think from Kyle's perspective, like I'm just using him how he was used in college. Yeah, but you also sat him for a year. And you did that because you said you didn't want to use him like the way you used him. Like you didn't set R you didn't sit RG3. You played him right away, and you're like, all right, I got to get you on the field. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a lot of the concepts you used in college. Fine. Trey, you sat him for a year. The whole idea was you're going to fit him into your system, and then he's out there, and he's running quarterback power. So, I don't know. Maybe you didn't teach it well enough. Maybe he's not as good enough student as, as we thought, but I don't know. 
listen to how far ahead of defenses they were with that offense. Kyle said they ran the same play 80 times in that year. They completed it 65 times for 20 yards per catch. Like the, the league you still know these stats, man. 10 years later, tooting his own horn. So the league was not prepared for this offense. And this was the quote I thought was really interesting. This is directly from Kyle Shanahan quote. We had a quarterback who was elite with his speed. It was the easiest thing ever. Which keep him healthy, though. All I know is that the Niners were doing the same thing as Washington at the same time. Jim Harbaugh, Greg Roman, they had Colin Kaepernick. They didn't start the year doing the pistol, but they were itching to do this. They did the same thing. They had the same amount of success. Their quarterback didn't get hurt, and they went further in the playoffs. So I love this revisionist history of Kyle Shanahan, like, being ahead of the curve and being super smart and stuff. But, like, other the Niners did it. Greg Roman did it. And no one thinks he's a freaking genius. I watched Do It Do the Right Thing the other day. This is neither here nor there. On the plane ride home, okay? And there's that famous scene with dude comes in to Sal's family. He's like, how come there aren't any brothers on this wall? How come there aren't any brothers on this wall? How come there aren't any brothers in this play calling series, man? How come to be a genius play caller, you have to be 35 and look like me? I want to know. <laughs> Where's Eric Bieniemy? It's ridiculous. I, I, I just feel like this is perpetuated myth that these, these, these geniuses. It's like, man, it's the same four guys you talk about all the time. I need to know. I want to know. <laughs> so why aren't there any brothers on this wall? Come on, Sal. You know how that movie ends. Doesn't end good. I'm just saying, do the right thing. Well, I don't what think I that the, about? Sorry. the takeaway is that no one else is running the pistol. The pistol is just a formation. It's not an all like that's all it is. So other teams were doing it. And they talk about in the series about how there's nothing new under the sun and how all the coaches steal from each other and stuff. But I just thought it was interesting. All of that, I almost wonder if Kyle took that experience and then looked at Trey Lance and was like, we can do the same stuff, and we like Trey off the field, mentally, as a hard worker, all of that stuff, and we can recreate this. Trey and RG3, athletically, don't have a lot. Not close. RG3 was a Olympic hurdler. Uh, He was one of the fastest. He he was running track at Baylor, and (laughs) Baylor has like the best track team in the country. Dude was like super duper fast. If he were in, um, on, in Madden, he would have been a 99. Trey's like an 84 in speed, right? He's not super fast, but he's big and you can do stuff. Like they're very different. RG3 and ran a 441. 441. I'm sure his 100 meter dash was like a 10 2. I'm sure his 200 meter was. I'm sure he could have run any freaking race he wanted at a very low time. He was a great athlete. Trey's not like that. And right. again, the whole thing with Trey was we don't want to play him right away. We want him using like a real – we want to develop him the right way. That's what he said. He never said that about RG3. I think he was always down on RG3. Like, yeah, okay, like you can run and we can leverage your your speed until you get hurt. But with Trey, we're going to develop him the right way. But they never did. Or or maybe they have. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a, instead of a two-year plan, it ended up being a three-year plan because he got hurt. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, the other thing I learned, and this comes through repeatedly through interviews with other people that have worked with him, Kyle is super hard to work for, like really hard to work for. Sala said there were times where he and Kyle would go a whole week without speaking because they would argue about football and about schemes and play calling and stuff like he's incredibly hard 
to work for. If you have an idea and you take it to Kyle, you have to have every answer. For example, like, hey, if you're like, I want to run this play. He's like, all right, what if they come out in quarters? What what happens? What's your answer? What if they come out and cover two? What if they come out and cover three? What if they blitz? What if this guy doesn't? Do-? And if you don't have all those answers, he doesn't listen to you. Like, he's just like, nope, I don't want to hear. Like, you need to have it mapped out and ready to go. That could be and, pretty frustrating if you're a defensive coordinator, though, and you're like, this right. is my game plan for this. They're like, and Kyle's like, nah, let's do it this way. He's like, hold on, Kyle. <laughs> you don't do defense. I do defense. That could be frustrating. So I think that, like, don't plan on Steve Wilkes or D'Amico Ryans or Robert Sala. Like, I don't think any of those guys are going to be here long. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because schemes and stuff evolve. But I do think it's just something to note because I think it applies to players too. Like he is just hard to work for. Well, I think when you look around the the league, the landscape of the league, who are the most powerful head coaches in the NFL? Powerful. Kyle's up there. Yeah. I mean, there are not many coaches who have more power. I mean, in terms of like over the 53 man roster, over the front office, he hired the general manager. Like (laughs) he can do whatever the hell he wants to do here. He brags in front of Jed that Jed has never, ever, told him what to do in seven years he brags about it and jed's like yeah that's true i just sit here with my with my hand under my you know i just sit here on my hands and it's, it's great so that's kyle i mean he's at like the bill belichick level in terms of organizational power this is this is the san francisco kyle shanahan's right here yes yes and if so, anybody like if you didn't believe that then you're just being naive like right. once you find out that he, they told you he hired the general manager like once they tell you that you know he's got all the power. Like, I don't think Sean McVay has that kind of power on the Rams, and he won a championship. Like, there are very few. I don't think Mike Tomlin has that kind of power on Pittsburgh. There's an actual front office there that could fire him one day, although they don't fire coaches. It's an ownership, so, though. Pittsburgh's all about ownership. Right. I love that. I love that. Um, Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, the other thing is, like, McVay, it seems like McVay has made an effort to spread the credit. They, they talk in the Super Bowl about how players were changing stuff on the fly and or changing stuff like in practice and how McVay and it was a blend of the system, the scheme, the play call, the players. McVay has one specific play on the, the go ahead drive in the Super Bowl where he talks about like, I called this play and it was the worst defense that could that. have happened against that call. But Stafford and Cup made the play work. I like that about McVay. Yes, I do, yeah. too. Yeah, I'm not getting that, team. that. Kyle's not taking the credit all on himself. Do he's not doing that, but he's also not spreading it out to anybody else. You, you never hear Kyle be like, man, I called this terrible play. Like between us, it was freaking awful. But Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo saved my butt. Like he would <laughs> never say that in a million years. And I yeah. think that's a big difference between Kyle and Sean. Like I think most people would agree that Kyle is more creative than Sean McVay when it comes to X's and O's just more creative, has a better sense of how to get people open or maybe one step ahead. Like McVay's looking at Kyle kind of copying his work on the test a little bit. Um, that being said, like as a head coach, who is a better, who does a better job with his players? Who does a better job managing games? Um, I don't know. Like you might want to go with McVay on that one, considering he's finished the job once. They, yeah, they all acknowledge and they've done this multiple times because this this like idea of getting all these coaches together to talk about the system and everything, it's been done before. And in the past and on this one, they all acknowledge Kyle is the godfather. McVay acknowledges it. Sala acknowledges it. LaFleur acknowledges it. That like Kyle is the genius. Like they look up to him. It is clear that they That's do. Because to, to me, the godfather of this whole tree is Mike. 
not Kyle. It's Mike. Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. Well, they but, do. I mean, yeah, Kyle's his son. So I guess that maybe that's why Kyle gets so much respect because he's been around Mike since birth. Well, literally, the podcast begins with the phrase, we have to start with an homage. And the homage is to Mike Shanahan. Of course. It's his freaking coaching tree. Absolutely. So, you have to. Yes. Um, and there are just so many like interesting little nuggets in there. So Shan- when Shanahan designs a play, he draws it on the whiteboard. And then every variation of that play, he draws on top of it in a different color. So literally, like, you see the play on the whiteboard, and then it's like they just draw all the variations until it's just like a huge friggin' mess. Oh, right, because he, he has, like, a different, a slight different variation for the play against each cover. Yes. Right? Also, you want to hear something really weird? Yeah. Kyle stands on his head before games. Literally, like a yoga pose. Stands on his head before games. Apparently, it's like a yoga thing. It's like a mind-clearing process. But literally before games, he is standing on his head. Is that why he threw the challenge flag on that first drive in the (laughs) NFC Championship game? Because he was so locked in and focused. Look, It's so funny. Like, if you decide someone's legendary and great, anything they do, you can just walk up. Oh, my God, he stands on his head. That makes him different and better. It's not presented like he's so great because of it. It's just presented like, hey, this is a weird thing that he does. Like, you are looking looking to just ding him at every instance. Like, you're hate. No, let me be fair. I haven't listened to this, and you have. And so I guess I'm just interpreting it as uh, another piece that's celebrating Kyle Shanahan. And it's not. So I want to – for whoever made it, I want to be clear. I haven't listened to it yet. It's uh, Jordan Okay. It's probably even-handed and not just a celebration of a bunch of people who haven't won anything except for McVay. Um, they, yeah, so they do, they talk about Kyle in that way, but also like Stands on his head. McDaniel, Mike McDaniel talked about Kyle. He said basically like, did he talk about vaping McDaniel? Did he talk no. about that? No. He said, let me see if I can get the quote. He said he was super happy that Kyle wanted him to be the offensive coordinator, quote, yeah. however exploitative it might be. What is that? I was like, what does that mean? And I think it's just because Kyle drives these guys hard and makes it hard to work for. But a big selling point for McDaniel was that he got to do weekly press conferences. And the quote that he gave was... Exploitative that means. No, 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 no. What does that mean? Slow down. Dude went to Yale. He means something by that. What is he talking about? Well, he got to do the weekly press conferences. That was a big deal to McDaniel. And he said, quote, I wasn't going to be a secret anymore. So I think McDaniel was definitely ready to be out of Kyle's shadow. Or at least I think what he's credit. saying is that being the offensive coordinator for Kyle Shanahan is a ceremonial position. You're not doing anything differently. But what you get is, is a press conference. What you get is a platform. You can talk. People know who the hell you are. You're not just the, the running game coordinator that seven people covering the team know about. Like you're talking once a week. And you saw how Mike McDaniel did. All of a sudden, he was so much more engaging than Kyle. He had a sense of humor. He would talk at length. He was just as smart, if not smarter. And he had none of the defensiveness that Kyle Shanahan gets. Well, because he wasn't the head coach. He didn't talk after games. He would just talk on Thursdays. Easy to do. But he he killed those press conferences. He was making jokes. All of a sudden, people knew who the hell he was. It was smart. Listen to this sneaky thing by McDaniel, what he would do. So, like, they were all competing to get Kyle to incorporate the plays that they designed into that week's game plan. Like, it was a big competition between McDaniel, McVay, LaFleur, all those guys. McDaniel okay. would take a play to Kyle and he would say, can you name this play for me? Because in McDaniel's mind, once Kyle named it, it became his and he took ownership ah, of it. And I was McDaniel like, is so that smart. dude is a genius, man. 
I feel like Kyle Shanahan's very smart, but he doesn't have like those type of people skills because he grew up rich. And you don't, no, no offense, but like I don't think you have to. But McDaniel, Sala, the people that like came up from wherever they came, like those people are very clever and they're often very good at getting people like Kyle on their side. This the rich kid in school. And I think it's very interesting how you see guys like Sala and McDaniel work people, how they work people. Well, McDaniel went to Yale, so I don't think we were holding any bake sales for him. But it's not right. just book smarts. Like Kyle's book is playbook smart to the right. degree. But is he people smart? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the way players and coaches work him for money is great. Like all those people in Cabo, they all got paid. All those coaches, they all got paid. Smart. But to Kyle's credit, he, he spreads the wealth around. I was talking about that yesterday with my dad. Like one of the things Kyle does is he gets all of his friends paid. All of them. They you all get out that, man. Khalil watching on YouTube says, Grant, you need to listen to episodes three and four of this podcast. McDaniel is taking shots. Okay. All right. I will. Okay. All right. I will. All right. Sweet. Uh, like, I'm just- yeah. Like I've kind of pointed out, like he has said some things that definitely made me like when he said I wasn't going to be a secret anymore. That may not be a shot at Kyle. It may just be the fact that like assistant coaches don't get the love that they should, but right. it jumped out to me. It was an endorsement that. of Kyle. I kind of get the feeling that McDaniel felt that he was like Spock to uh, Kyle Shanahan's Captain Kirk, the guy in the back, the guy doing the work, the guy doing the homework, getting no credit. Because I don't know if people know about McDaniel's past, but he had like a little bit of like, a, like he was like an alcoholic. Or an alcoholic, I, yeah. He was an alcoholic, so he kind of had like to take a step back. And I think he felt like he was never going to get promoted. And I think he felt like he was the most gifted person on the staff. Well, he says, yeah. he literally says, I owe my entire career to Kyle Shanahan, sure. my entire football career to Kyle Shanahan exploitative or not like literally like that was the sentence it was all part of the same sentence so it was well, like if and i know how this goes right like if you're giving people a start in an industry and they have no resume you're doing them a favor also they can't ask for that much you know what i mean like so when he says exploitative like how much did they pay you like you had no resume you're well 20 yeah something years old you know like you're just happy to be life. there yeah. yes yeah. It is an incredibly hard life. Chris Sims has talked about that when he worked for the Patriots. Like, it's just a grind. They pay you very little money, and you have to work all the time. That's why it really helps if you come from, like, a really rich house. <laughs> like, Kyle. Yeah. And Chris Sean. talked about that, too, about how he's yeah. mentioned, like, if he didn't have the money that he did because of his family, like, he probably wouldn't have been able to go into coaching because it's it's just too much. You don't get paid yeah, enough. Sala was going to go into Wall Street like his brother did because he's really smart. I mean, he could be really successful doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. Um, but he decided to go into coaching and he went into quality control. Like you really got to bet on yourself to do something to, to do something like that. I, I respect people like that. I respect Kyle too. That's anything else from this, from this uh, you, you, Oh, Andrew Whitworth had a good quote about McVeigh. He said, okay. "Sean has the paintbrush, but every now and then he would let you change the color." Kyle won't do that. I don't think he will either. Kyle won't do that. Kyle might let you change the shade, but not the color. <laughs> I don't even know about that. If Kyle could ever grow and, and like just let go a little bit, he he might just become the coach that everyone thinks he is or wants him to be. But I think that's his big flaw. He's too much of a micromanager. And I don't think he's changed that much since he's come in the league. I think he's pretty much been the same dude. I think he's been on a mission to prove that who he is is, is just fine. And he doesn't need any growth. He doesn't need any change which is kind of a bad place to be. I think you need to be a little bit more open-minded in life and be a little more open to changing and uh, open to feedback. Feedback is tough to take. A lot of people notice that. A lot of people can't take it. They can give it. They cannot take feedback. A lot of people, most people, don't want to hear what they don't do well. And when they hear it, they get defensive and try to prove you wrong the rest of their life. Yo, you're right. 
because yeah. so for years I was a producer for national shows, giving feedback to talent all the time. And this Who past year, I got to host shows for ESPN and the people at ESPN gave me feedback. And my first reaction was, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Um, it's hard. I don't know that Kyle is on a mission to prove that he can do it his way. I almost wonder if Kyle feels like he's never gotten the chance because his quarterbacks keep getting hurt. Although he did have a chance with Garoppolo in 2019. So, yeah, I'd like to know Kyle Shanahan's like private feelings about the quarterback injury thing. Like you really think it's just bad luck year after year after year after year or like privately, or do you think there's something you could do a little bit differently? And are you going to, it's a good admit it publicly. I understand that, but like privately, what's the plan here? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Listen to this. This is great. So sometimes like people say like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know more football or Kyle Shanahan knows more football than you and blah, blah, blah. And they're right. But there are times when we are dead on balls accurate about reading the situation. Perfect example. Kyle was talking about the divisional game against the Vikings in 2019. And the quote from Kyle is we go into the game and the quarterback throws the ball directly to the linebacker. Who drops it? And I think says the quarterback. That's hella funny. I I think he said the court. I don't I don't want to quote him on that because I'm not 100 okay. percent sure. But I think he says like, our. We don't remember who that was. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but he says he throws it directly to the linebacker and he drops it. And then I think I'm gonna run this ball every bleeping play, and that is exactly what happened in the Minnesota game, and we and all saw it. Yeah, and then he say, he even says in the next game like I we only completed six passes. Like so, what happened in the Super Bowl, Kyle? What happened in the Super Bowl, Kyle? We were dead on. It was literally he saw Jimmy be shaky, and he took the ball away from him, and he uh-huh. took it away in Minnesota. Until the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, when they were up ten, he was like, "You know what, Jimmy? I trust you again." Like, Jimmy, Audible. I trust you. You're always pivoting back to a Shanahan criticism. You got to even it out until he gets that Super Bowl. It's got to be even. That's that's such a crazy. Like you can be a great coach and never win a Super Bowl. It's possible. Sure. But he, he's also not immune to criticism. When he wins right. the Super Bowl, I'll stop criticizing him. But until then, I got to even it out. Right. I have to. Yeah, right. The football guys came down, told me, like, great, this is on you. All right. You are the prophet of, of Kyle Shanahan hate until this man gets his team to the promised land. He ain't at the promised land yet. He needs you to push him because Rob's not pushing him. All the oh, people yes. that say that Kyle's the greatest ain't pushing him. Kyle's just sitting there like, yeah, we're at the promised the greatest. land. If Kyle won the Super Bowl by running it 50 times, you'd be like, oh, it wasn't his system. It was the running game. You'd be the no, first dude. If he won the Super Bowl, I would give him credit. You don't. You, you get credit for winning the Super Bowl. You get a ring. That's it. So. You get. You get. That's it, man. That's it. Uh, I want to get to some of the super chat. Let's see. Scale of one to ten, how badly did McDaniel either Kyle? I don't know what that Ether. word is. Ether is the song that Nas made dissing Jay Z. I actually didn't think it was that good of a diss song. He just basically called oh. Jay Z gay the whole time, which I don't think is. He's not. So I don't understand. How that's a, a diss. Also, why is it a diss? Yeah. It's not really that's, a diss. I actually think that Ether song was highly overrated. The beat sucks too. Oh, well, oh, I'm the Jerry Z. Like, okay. I'm the better diss white dude in the room. So I have no idea. I don't even know if I've ever heard that song. But see, that's shameful. But it's okay. 
JP says Ether better than Takeover. Both I wouldn't. Sell. That I whole Nas Jay Z beef was boring. How about that? I haven't finished it ago. yet. There's five episodes. I have about an episode and a half left. Um, some of them don't really pertain to Six Kyle at episodes all. Episodes about these guys. Six. Like the, the second one is mostly about McVeigh. So if you want to eat for breakfast. One, <laughs> <laughs> um, the Kyle also had a line in there about how he wishes he could be, go for it every time on fourth down, but he has to guard against his personality. It's like, no, dude, you're wrong. Like, What are you talking he, about? The Eagles do it all the time. You could do it. He's being like mature and the grown-up in the room by not doing it. He's just flat out wrong on it. Like, dude, just go for he's it. He's trying to have it both ways. Like, I'm really aggressive, but I'm also really conservative. Right, even though I never go for it, I'm actually really aggressive. My like, instinct is to be super aggressive, but then my other instinct is to be super conservative. So I actually have both instincts. <laughs> I don't care what you think you should do. I care about what you actually do when you're the head coach. So that was frustrating to hear. Yeah. But I, I think the whole thing is fascinating. I'm enjoying it way more than I thought. Right, they interview Raheem Morris. They interview, like, okay. a ton of people about how they all got together. And I don't know that it's going to be, I don't know that Kyle is ever going to have like that long-term coaches, long-term quarterback. I don't think he ever will. Even if Brock like becomes the guy, I think there will be a breaking point at some point. I have a question though. Like what, why is this Mike Shanahan coaching tree constantly talked about? Like, I feel like there's a think piece about someone in this coaching tree every two weeks, especially in the off season. Like what about Andy Reid's coaching tree? No one ever talks about that coaching tree. No one talks about Andy Reid's coaching tree? Really? Where is the six-part podcast about him and Eric Bieniemy and Doug Peterson? Like, where is it? They never talk. It's always like, well, I have Patrick Mahomes. So it's like they're not really doing anything special over there. Like, you sure? I'm pretty sure. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Uh, Nick Sirianni was in the Super Bowl last year. I feel like Andy Reid's coaching tree has a lot more to – to answer for and talk about than, than Mike Shanahan's. But I don't know. Mike I mean, Shanahan's they, coaching they have – it is a big coaching tree, but, like, I know we talked about the coaching tree when he was in the Super Bowl because we had two weeks to freaking talk about him, and trust me, I know that came up. Is there a podcast series about it? No. I feel like people he, talk about Kyle more than they talk about Andy Reid. When Andy Reid, the people are like, yeah, he is, he is Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I agree. Andy Reid is, is the greatest Mahomes. offensive mind of his generation, bar none. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the way that he – Yes, Patrick Mahomes protected himself in the Super Bowl against that. He moves very well. But also, Andy Reid protected him, too. I mean, the screen game that the Chiefs had in that game is just no one is a better screen coordinator, play caller than yes. Andy Reid. He's been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. And screen passes, you know what they do? They keep your quarterback healthy. They're really important. They beat the pass rush. And I, I don't know, maybe Kyle Shanahan, he has good screen passes, but maybe he could Tap it a little bit more. Keep his quarterback. quarterback I could throw him accurately so that he wasn't getting other people injured. Remember when Jimmy threw that high screen to Kittle and it jacked up his knee? If you go back and look at Donovan McNabb, he had a a Pro Bowl season his last year with Philly. He was old. He went to Washington to to go uh, play with the Shanahan's. It was awful. He got benched. Awful. And it was awful. And and McNabb went up to Kyle and was like, look, you know, this isn't working. Could you like put in some more screen passes like Andy Reid had for me? And Kyle was like, don't you ever, don't you ever freaking tell me what to do with my offense. And then he benched them and put in who was it? Rex Grossman. I don't know. So there is a difference between those two. There is a difference between those two. Yeah. And but also like, let's give Kyle Shanahan prime McNabb and see what happens too. Like Andy Reid got a much better version of Don McNabb than Kyle Shanahan. I have a got. guess what would happen. He'd get hurt. I, okay. Get hurt. Again, every time Kyle's had a coach, like it, the only time Kyle's quarterback doesn't get hurt is if he's not the head coach. 
is if there's someone like Gary Kubiak or Dan Quinn who can up, you know, overrule Kyle at some point. In Washington, he was essentially the head coach. I don't think Mike was overruling Kyle anything he did on offense. And here, he's the head coach. And I don't think he really thinks much about protecting I, his quarterback. That is so asinine. First of all, Patrick Mahomes did get hurt under Andy Reid. Remember when he, his kneecap was like down by his ankle? Like that is a thing that happened. Like the mm-hmm. idea that a head coach can somehow prevent injuries to his quarterback is absurd. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Grant. It is dumb. It's not dumb. It, okay. If it's he bad calls argument. every it's time. Bad argument. Something you don't like to just say it's dumb is stupid. I think that's a bad argument. I mean, there's, there's a pattern here. Like, it, this happens all the time with Kyle, with Kyle Shanahan. So what is it specifically? to say it's just like, he, this is just luck. He has good luck. Andy Reid has – no, Kyle has bad luck. Andy Reid has good luck, and that's the way it's been for 20 years, 15 years. I think that's stupid. I mean, Andy Reid's had I quarterbacks that have gotten hurt. Andy, huh? It's not like Andy Reid's quarterbacks have never gotten hurt. They have. Some of they them don't just miss time. Stop. They don't miss time. They don't have surgery. Kyle's quarterbacks have surgery every year. So, but How I, many what surgeries did Jimmy Garoppolo have with Kyle Shanahan? Three. But how is that not Jimmy Garoppolo's fault? It's Kyle's how fault. Is it not Kyle's fault when it's all of his quarterbacks. How is he not the common denominator here? How could well, he not do a better job keeping his, his quarterbacks healthy? What is I don't know, man. It's funny. When, Kyle, when Trey Lance got hurt, I remember you on the conference call with Kyle grilling him about that play. All of a sudden, you 180 and decided that no. Kyle and no, no head coach is responsible for any quarterback injury. Is that I your position about that play? I grilled Kyle about Jimmy taking his job and being a threat to Lance after they brought him back. Mm, I don't remember that. Well, go I go and you talking to him about that play where he ran him up the middle. You were pissed about that. Grant, he put in Rex and started calling screens. Well, hold on. I think there's a difference between I wish he let Lance drop back and throw more, and he got Trey Lance injured. I think there's a difference that he could. Yeah. What I'm saying is he could do a much better job protecting his quarterbacks. And you're saying, nah, man, there's nothing Kyle can do. How? Kyle. Throwing more screen passes? Is that it? That's like part what of specifically it. could Kyle it. do? That's part of it. Yeah. How about don't call a shot play with a seven step drop on the first drive of the game on second to six from the 50 yard line? How about run the ball? There's all kinds of stuff you can do, man. You, oh, my. God. How about don't ask your second. Don't ask your third string tight end who was inactive the week before to block Hassan Reddick on a seven step drop. There's Other so teams many things you can do. Thing. Take matchups into accountability. Take, take matchups into account. Don't just look at your pass pattern against that coverage because football is actually played with players, not just Madden stuff. I, I don't know. That is such a lazy, to me, that's lazy. Yeah, I'm super lazy, man. I haven't thought about this very much. I just kind of shoot from the hip, but you're very nuanced. No, I'm not nuanced, but I'm just th- I just think that it's cool to criticize Kyle Shanahan because his quarterback yeah. got hurt when other teams that called that same play and blocked defensive yeah. ends with the backup tight end didn't get their quarterback hurt. But yet yeah. when Kyle does it, it's his fault. Yeah, man. I actually thought blocking Hassan Reddick with uh with Tyler Croft is super smart because Tyler Croft wasn't an act, uh, active the week before and now he's not even on the team anymore. But you definitely want the season to come down to that matchup. I thought it was genius. In fact, but I don't think he gets enough credit for that play. It was actually really smart. It was great. Nobody knew it was that your best call he had all year. You're saying this with the benefit of hindsight. Sure, after the play happens you could say, "Boy, if Kyle knew he was going to get hurt, he never should have called that play." But he no one knows that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know that Hassan Reddick is going to destroy Tyler Croft nine times out of ten. But is Tyler is, is Hassan Reddick then going to destroy Brock Purdy's elbow? Maybe only three times out of ten. So yeah, it's a fair call. You have a thirty, you have a seventy percent chance of Brock Purdy not getting hurt on that play. So yeah, give it a shot. 
but that, not, that is what is that math based on? How about Hassan I mean, Reddick? You know that Hassan Reddick could win that matchup. You know Hassan Reddick is going to destroy Tyler Croft. You're just hoping that Brock Purdy can get the ball out before he gets smashed, and he didn't. So I don't know. It, it was like the close your eyes, cross your fingers, and pray. Uh, play and it didn't work. Maybe maybe seven out of ten times it would work, but the three times it didn't. That's what happens. And they or did it in the first play, the first drive of the game. Remember, people, just a few weeks ago, someone was uh, praising Kyle was Kittle, saying, you know, he he will call all these bad plays early in the game just so he can set up the perfect play and make sure that it's definitely going to work. That he's got the right look, the right front, the right coverage. That's not what he did against Philly. He called that shot play on the first drive on second and six from midfield. And you know what? It was play action. The defense didn't react to the play fake. I mean, it wasn't set up. It was not so, set up. So is your argument that if he, if Brock Purdy had gotten hurt on the third or fourth drive of the game, it would have been okay? Like, I don't understand. What if it's one in a thousand? A high-risk, high-reward play. The reward was a chunk play. But the risk was a seven-step drop against the, the best pass rush in the league that doesn't react to the run. They do not play the run. They suck against the run. They don't react to play fakes. They get after the quarterback. And you called a play-action fake on the first drive before really knowing how they would react. When your left tackle is now tipping plays in a pass stance, you called it. It didn't work out. So okay, That's what no, no play-action against the Eagles. You can't I mean, do Hassan it. Hassan Reddick is on the opposite side of Trent Williams. He sees he's in a pass stance. The, 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 the Philly D-line doesn't react to play fakes anyway. And you called it on the first drive of the game? And you're like, hey, man, that's football. I had to give it a shot. Okay, cool. Nice. You lost. And then and then Josh Allen got uh, – Josh uh, Johnson got hurt on a seven-step drop, too. He did. He got drops against the best pass rush in the league. When the week before against Dallas, who didn't have as good of a pass rush, you give up a pressure percentage on like 50% of your drop back. What did you think was going to happen against Philly? You can't block them. You do, you think, do you think that they didn't call any seven-step drops against the Cowboys in their pass rush? Of course they did, right? Any quarterback at hurt? No. So it's totally cool. The best thing they did against Dallas, the best thing that happened against Dallas was that Brock Purdy somehow didn't get hurt. He was under siege the entire game. He ran around. He scored 19 points. He didn't turn the ball over. That offense sucked against Dallas. But nobody, got hurt. but nobody got hurt. You're, cha you're changing the argument. Nobody got hurt. You're saying Kyle gets guys hurt with his play calls, yet he called similar plays against Dallas and nobody got hurt. Okay, so the quarterback didn't get hurt in one game, but after eight games of Brock Purdy running around and having to protect himself, it didn't go so well. So he was able to protect himself, which is what Kyle asked his quarterbacks to do, for eight games. He got hurt in the first game, got hurt in the last game. We'll see what happens in the, in the future. But with, with Andy Reid, with Pete Carroll, their quarterbacks generally play every freaking game, every freaking season. Maybe they miss a game here or two. Maybe they play through injuries, but they're not getting surgery every year. Like Kyle's are. Ever, all of them. Trey and Brock Purdy are coming off surgery this year. Jimmy was coming off surgery the year before that. Jimmy was coming off Jimmy's surgery in 2019. Off surgery. Surgery. Jimmy got hurt with the Patriots before he even met Kyle Shanahan in part-time roles. Surgery. Jimmy got hurt in back-to-back -back years. He didn't have surgery until he met Kyle. If, you, if you're a quarterback and you meet Kyle, just plan the surgery ahead of time. Get to know a surgeon that you like. Because that guy, you and him are going to be working together more than going to be working with Kyle. Every offseason, you and the surgeon. Is it your shoulder? Is it your knee? Is it your neck bone? Is it your, your funny bone? It's one of the bones. It's I just it's crazy. Kyle's the only quarterback that calls seven step drops. The only one in the league. The only I, coordinator. I mean, Daniel does too. I mean, Tua was on the ground. How many times twitching? I'm telling you. If, if this do they talk about that with the play callers? Tua, Tua having to 
like almost dying on the field and getting rushed back. Like, did they talk about that with Mike McDaniel? How about that? Uh, I haven't finished no, it. I didn't talk about that. It hasn't come up yet. It hasn't come up. Hmm, Official DNA music says I was referring to him and McNabb's play calling arguments. Kyle undermined McNabb, but then took his idea after benching him. Kyle's ego has been a problem. Look, all these guys have egos. They Not all like do. If you don't think that they do, they all do. Kyle's on another strat- stratosphere. Kyle's is on Maybe. another stratosphere. He thinks that he's the greatest offensive play caller of all time. Maybe. Maybe he does think that, but like he does. That's not necessarily the worst thing in the time. He's got Bill Walsh's install tapes and won't watch them. He's like, yeah, they're kind of funny. So does every 49ers coach have to watch Bill Walsh's install tapes? Watch them? I don't know if I would. You don't have to recreate them. You wouldn't even watch them? I'd watch them. That's a day. You don't have to. By the way, they're 50 years old. You don't have to do anything. So you're saying if everything was exactly the same, but he watched the install tapes, you'd be cool with him? Like, I just feel I'm like cool you are Kyle. I'm cool, on Kyle. Him. I'm cool with Kyle. I see Kyle all the time. I know Kyle. Kyle knows know. my first name. When we see each other, we say, what's up? I'm well, cool I hope Kyle. he knows, he knows how it goes. I mean, this is the, these are the big leagues, man. He understands. Once he wins a ring, everyone's going to genuflect, bend the knee, say he's the best. You got to do it first, though. Oh, no, you don't, because everyone else already does it for him. So I'll just be the one guy who, who waits. Let's get to the Debo thing. Please, I'm waiting. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So everyone has been talking about the interview that Debo Samuel had with CBS Sports Radio where he bailed because he was tired of the Eagles questions. As I've said, it was weak sauce for Debo to bail. He started, like, the interview didn't even weak start with the, with the Eagles questions. It started I with... I want to go to a taqueria and be like, can I get some weak sauce with this? Just a little <laughs> bit of weak sauce on top. It was weak sauce. I hated it. He came across to me as a petulant child, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't like one petulant child. It, it, you know, takes one to know one. I could, I could see a petulant child. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm right there with you. I almost hung up on you two seconds ago. I was like, you know what? I'm aware. Um, <laughs> but he was like, I don't like these questions. And he handed the phone off to somebody and they ended the interview. Yeah. It was weak because he was on doing a sponsored thing. And they got the plug in to start the interview. So it was like, okay, I got my plug in. And now I'm bad. Like, I just, the whole thing was bad. But in that interview, there's something in there that people have missed that they are not focusing on that you were very passionate about before we started the show. So tell people what Debo said that you think we should pay more attention to. Okay, so this got buried because Debo Samuel hung up. And anytime you do that, that's going to be a viral moment. I think he should know that. But okay, that aside, we can come back to that later. He was asked about Trey Lance and gave a good answer he said he's actually improved quite a bit he just got hurt he's got a lot to prove but he has improved quite a bit and I feel like whenever a big name niner is put in front of a microphone this offseason Kittle Debo Kyle and they're asked about Lance this is what they say he's a lot better you can see it he's more confident he's having fun he's a lot better and none of the national reporters ever react to that they're always saying like, oh, man, he sucks. He's third in the depth chart. He might get bleh, bleh, traded, kicked off the team. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, are you not listening? All the best players and the, the head coach of the team are saying he has made significant strides. He's enjoying himself. He's confident. I feel like I don't understand why people aren't talking about that. And I think more I think that's the story here. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to do anything, but it does mean that his stock is up in Santa Clara. His stock is up. <sighs> I don't put too much stock in what Kyle says about him because Kyle and John Lynch have a, if they want to trade him, have a vested interest in praising him and talking him up because it helps 
That's get true. other teams interested. That's true. Have they sent those marching orders to the players and are the players following them? I don't know. I don't know. It's encouraging that he said nice things about Trey. I hope they're all true, by the way. I'm a Trey Lance guy. I've wanted Trey Lance to start forever. Um, but if I just it wasn't true. I don't think Debo or Kittle would say it because they weren't, you know what I mean? I, I think they you would say stuff Debo like Debo wouldn't. I don't think I don't know. I think they would they, we we've fa- we've heard the 49ers find ways to praise Trey Lance without tra- praising him for years. He's a great kid. He's such a smart guy. Made of the you know, right he, stuff. He, he does all he's made the right stuff. I mean, he's gonna that's not what they're saying. And what they're saying is, you know, we've been waiting to see some strides. It's been a little bit of time. He has some setbacks, but we see something. And it's early, but we definitely see something. It's encouraging. And I just feel like no one talks about that. I think I, I was at minicamp. I saw something, too. In the past, he would throw the short passes too hard. The screens, the slants, the shallow crosses, throw them way too freaking hard. It was a problem because there's a lot of short throws in this offense. What I saw this offseason is a guy who all of a sudden can sh- throw the short passes with touch. And that's a big thing for him because I think he's always been a good downfield passer. I think he always has been. He hit some really nice downfield passes in Chicago last year, week one, that no one remembers because he missed some screens and lost the game. So I think it's true. We'll see if it keeps going. I hope it does. That would be fantastic. Like, please just let him get out there and, and show it. Like, God right. damn. Right. Let him play in the preseason. Don't let take him play a preseason. Shot. Let him play with McCaffrey. Let him play quarterback. Don't let him, don't make him play what he did at North Dakota State. He's been in the system for three years. You've been teaching him. Let him run the Brock Purdy offense. The one time you let him run something like that was against Houston. He freaking won, and he settled in as the game went on, and by the second half, he was eviscerating an NFL defense that had done pretty well against other good quarterbacks that year. So, yeah, I'd like to see that. I really think it would be too bad if they banished him or got rid of him before he could play a preseason game or a real game with Christian McCaffrey. But thankfully, they've done such a good job of nuking his trade value (laughs) that I think they have no choice, and he'll get a chance eventually. That is the weird part about this is that they may have been inadvertently found a good quarterback because they've nuked his trade value so much that now they're like, well, we've got to give somebody these reps in the preseason, right? Like he almost has to play by default. Like if, if they had done a better job of boosting his trade value, he might be gone right now, but because they made it so obvious that they're so displeased with whatever they saw from him in, in practice, there's nothing they can say at this point. They're stuck with him. And given their pattern of not really doing a great job of keeping their quarterbacks upright and on the field, you kind of feel like no matter what they choose to do at quarterback, Trey's probably going to get a chance eventually. And if McCaffrey's out there, who knows what could happen? Yeah, history has shown that he's going to get a chance to play at like, some yeah, point. Like, like, we'll, we'll take the blame out of it. History just suggests he's going to get yeah. a chance eventually, whoever, whoever's, who, you know, for whatever reason. The 49ers have had one quarterback <clears throat> Or one season with a healthy quarterback all year, and that was 2019. They have not; they've only had one of those since 2014. So even before Kyle got there, we have we just don't see full quarterback seasons in San Francisco. It's maddening. And what's crazy about the 2019 season? Go back and remember, Jimmy was coming off a torn ACL. He didn't have OTAs or minicamp, and so the and he sucked in training camp, and he sucked in preseason. And there were reports that maybe Nick Mullins might be running the so. Well, from Kyle's perspective, he was very nervous about his quarterback. He wasn't fully prepared. And what do they do that year? They ran the hell out of the ball. <laughs> and that's, that is one way that you can keep your quarterback freaking upright. And we asked him after the, uh, the Eagles game, like, 
what can you do? And he got real snarky. He's like, well, maybe I should run the ball every time. Dog, that's what you did to win the NFC Championship game four years ago. You can do that. Like, that is your formula. Don't act like it's not. So I'd like to see the Niners be real committed to the run early in the season. If you're going to start Brock, fine, whatever. But his job early on should be handing off, and not just to McCaffrey, to Mitchell and Mason, too. you got three of the best running backs in the league. Use them all and win that way like you did in 2019. Run. I think that's what he wants to do. I think yeah. he would prefer he first and foremost to like, if he could pick any kind of game, he would pick the green Bay game. Like, great. Let me run. Let me throw it nine times or eight times. I don't care. And I'll just run it every time. I don't think he wants to throw the ball. I think he is a run coach. I disagree. Because he, he, he grew I up. I think, he, I think that was all about Jimmy. I think that was like, I'm showing Jimmy up. I don't trust Jimmy. I think he wants to throw the ball. He's a wide receiver. When, when Brock's out, when he has a quarterback, he trusts. Sometimes he throws the ball too much. Maybe. I mean, I think Maybe. that I think what you're saying is correct. Like he clearly lost faith in Jimmy. Oh, I literally said yeah. it during this podcast series. And, and, and maybe that's good this year. Maybe it's like, look, I, I, I trust Brock, but he hasn't had an off season. He's coming off this. I can't I can't just throw him out there. Like, yeah, I, I got to protect Brock. I got to run the ball. That's where they're. that's when the Niners are at their best. When Kyle's like, I got to protect my quarterback. Yes, you do. Do it. You can do it. You this is the crazy it. thing, right? Kyle yeah. just admitted that he lost faith in Jimmy against Minnesota and didn't want him to throw the ball against the Packers. And yet after that season, they still suck with him instead of going to Tom Brady. Why? <laughs> Why? You told us what you thought of him in that Minnesota game. Nothing changed. Like, Oh, and that's why I keep feeling with the Niners is, is not a united front on this quarterback issue. It's like John likes Jimmy and Kyle has reservations. Then Kyle likes Trey and John has reservations and John likes Brock and Kyle has reservations. Like, ugh, that's probably why they never, you know, stick to something or figure it out because they have competing ideas. That's the smartest analysis of this whole yeah. quarterback situation that I've heard anybody make, that there is a split there. And yeah. that, that's why they're always waffling because they're always switching plans and then having a backup plan from the other side. Well, the original plan was wait a year for Kirk and they passed on Mahomes and Watson and it was very embarrassing and they were like 0-10. And yep. they had just, like, honestly, maybe they thought we might get fired. I mean, Chip Kelly got fired going 2-14. and 14. If we go 0-16 this year, <laughs> we may not get Kirk Cousins. So... I think they made a panic move at the deadline when they were about 0-8, traded for Garoppolo, which was not their plan. And I think John loved it because I think he felt, I saved this. I freaking saved this. Kyle's plan sucked. He didn't want Mahomes. He wanted Cousins. It wasn't going to work. I saved this. I got hired to be a freaking face man, but I did something great. I found the franchise quarterback. And Kyle always in the, in the background like, well, you know what the Jimmy trade did is it made the rest of that season irrelevant. Even if yeah. they lost the games, it would have been like, well, now he's got his quarterback. Right. Let's see what they do the next year. Right. And of yeah. course, he immediately got hurt in week three. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but I don't know. I like your, your point about Debo and the praising of Lance and how nobody is talking about that. Okay. Lana, let's talk about him hanging up the phone because okay. a lot of people think, a lot of Niner fans think, good. Good. Screw that guy. It was a stupid question. I like Debo Samuel more because he hung up the phone. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, like a lot of people like Marshawn Lynch more because he said, you know, I'm just here not to get fined. Da, 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 da. That's cool. It kind of makes you like a cult hero or whatever. But if I were Debo Samuel's PR guy on his team, I try to sit him down and be like, man, what did you really accomplish, man? Like, I'm trying to get you more money. I'm trying to get you more sponsors. You currently have no sponsors. You should have lots of sponsors because you're a great player. You got a freaking amazing name. Like you should be a celebrity. You want to be a celebrity. You're not a celebrity. You're famous for being the guy who hung up on the guy. 
That's you. Can we? Can you work? Could you look at Trent Williams and see how he works? this? like, can, can you? Can we use the media, please? Can we use the media? We're using them. We called them up and said, "Look, I, 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 Debo wants to talk about his charity or whatever." Like, we were using them, Debo. You understand yep. how this works? We're not trying to be their friend. We understand they're going to ask you questions you don't like. Like, you got to play the game because if you play it right, you get more money. Players and I know you like you have like a lot of money now, but you don't have enough, dude. You got good money. You want fu money? You don't have that. Come on, dog. Let's go. If I was PR's uh, guy, I would have tried to have that conversation with him. Man, like I'm on your side. I want to put more money in your pockets. This only hurts you. Seven people think it's cool, and they're not paying you. <laughs> they're not paying right. you. Yeah. When you do that, and like first of all, Debo's no stranger to media tours. I, I wrote just wrote about this on my site, GoldStandardNiners.com. Shameless plug. When you do media tours, you know you're going to get the same questions over and over again. That's part of the deal. And Debo's done it. Hell, I've interviewed him on media tours. He's done Old Spice media tours. He just did a media tour at the Super Bowl. Like, you he know that's to be famous. He's not Brandon Ayuk. He wants to be famous. He wants to be courtside. He wants to be, you know what I'm saying? Great. Now you got to be a little more polished with the media, man. He, he could have served you. He could have said, Look, I appreciate all the questions about the Eagles. I don't really want to talk about that anymore. Let's talk about something else. And then if the interviewer continues to ask about the Eagles, he's the jerk. But instead, you just literally like ran away. You took your ball and went home and handed the phone to a publicist or an agent or whoever it was. You could even say before the interview, Debo doesn't want to talk about that. Like I've had so many interviews where someone would agree, be like, yes, on this condition. He doesn't want to talk about this. And, or he wants to see the questions before. How many times? Has an athlete or a coach wanted to see the questions before time? And obviously you don't want to give it to them because you want some spontaneity and like fresh answers, but you also want the interview. And if that's the condition, sometimes he could make that condition. You're Debo Samuel, dog. You're not Jawan Jennings. Like you could go there and say, you want to talk to me? Here are my conditions. I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. Guy will be like, okay, great. Or he'll say no. And you don't do the interview. And you'll be like, I don't want to do this. Great. Thanks. Right. And that look, I booked for ESPN. I booked for NBC. That does happen. Sometimes they say we don't want to talk about this or sometimes they want the questions. And it's up to that show to decide how they want to handle it. Now, I will say this. If you agree to stay away from a topic and then address it during the interview, then the person I feel like is within their rights to bail. And it's possible that that happened. I don't know that. It's certainly possible. I would imagine it didn't, but I don't know. Yes, I don't know. and I would imagine it didn't too. If I had to guess, yeah. I would guess that it didn't. Because that's um, wildly but I was, unprofessional. I, I don't I, think what the guy did was unprofessional. I think what Debo did was sort of unprepared. Like, what did you're not going on with Jennifer Lee Chan and Matt Mayoko, dude? Like, what <laughs> do you think he's going to ask you? Right. And by the way, like you're and the who's one preparing that, you for these freaking interviews, man. Get me on your team. I could do so much better. I could so make all, money, Debo. So many players could use media training, like you said. You use the media. Kyle yes. Shanahan could use media training. He could. I use, use the media. Daniel McDaniel used them. Sala used them. Like I, and they should be trained by someone like me, not a PR person, someone that's in the media. I'll tell you. And, or just talk to Trent Williams. He's freaking perfect. He's freaking perfect. Trent's pretty good. He's really good. That's your guy. Come on. I'm just uh, saying, this is total self-interest. I'm talking money and business, Debo. It doesn't help you hanging up on people. It, right, from your own just a self-standpoint. Honestly, like 89er fans will think it's cool. That's it. 80. He's not that good of an interview. 
by the way, his answers are always super short. I've interviewed him. It's a tough, you got to have 50 questions because all his answers are five seconds long. And again, that, uh, that feels a little childish too. Like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to give you the minimum. What sucks is when he actually has something to say, like in mini camp, when he wanted to talk about how he didn't play well last year, it was like, it was great. This is the most unique interview I've ever heard. This is the most (laughs) introspective and, and, brutally critical self-critical athlete i've ever heard this is great but i guess he doesn't owe it to us to like you know have a freaking confessional every time but i, I think it's clear that he is very smart very bright oh i think he's perspective i just don't think he wants to give the media anything which is too bad i almost felt like he did it in 2021 he was playing the game to get the contract he got the contract and he's like all right i'm just gonna be myself now it's like Oh, man, like, go get more, but get the second contract. You're not done. Get sponsorships. Come on, man. You're like 26 years old. You can get so much more money. Get in the Hall of Fame. Get more. Get more. Great one, 765 says, that's what the media does. When a player doesn't comply with them, the media will bash them. No, when you run away like a little baby, you deserve to get criticized. That's what it is. Some fans like you, great one, 765. The fans are going to bash them, too. Everyone saw that, man. Anyone with an opinion and eyes can look at that and say, oh, he lost his cool. You never want to lose your cool in life. Like Rob, like 20 minutes ago, was pushing my buttons, and I was pissed. I didn't like it. But I tried my best not to lose my cool, and then when he changed the subject, we both laughed. It's, it's Come on. you, you don't Because when you lose your cool, then you obviously lost. It doesn't really matter what happened. Everyone watching is like, well, that guy lost. And then Rob won. I think if people watch, people will be like, I don't know. It was a pretty good argument. Both guys got a little, you know, riled up, but it, they had their moments. But when you hang up and go away, it's like, man, you lost. End of story is a TKO. You just lost. How would you have felt if we just ended the show when we were arguing about Kyle Shanahan? You probably would have not well, been. If a fan. I had gotten you to to like cut me off or like if you had left, then I would have felt like I won. I would have been like, right. Uh, like what, if, what if I was just like no, and then just bailed out of the you're street? Stupid. No, you <laughs> you suck. You're smelly. Maybe we should have done that. That would have been good for the show. Just have like uh, like yeah, a totally contrived uh, fight. Right, like Jerry Lawler and uh, Andy Kaufman back in the day, just totally blink it up. Yeah, we should do that. I think this content creator thing is way too serious. Like, we should just <laughs> do stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Now that we said it out loud, though, I feel like we kind of ruined it. Uh, yeah, people don't remember. Here we go. Official BNA music. You don't have to watch the Bill Walsh tapes, but he didn't have to lemonade stand them when asked. I don't remember what he actually said he basically said he's like yeah i've taken a look at them they're like really old it's like really weird like there's like guys in three point like, like wide receivers in three point stances like he almost was like like yeah it's like uh hasn't really stood the test of time a little dated it's like well yeah. i mean it kind of is yeah i still would want to watch it though like you don't know what you would get from the experience but i don't know like right. i, mean, I want to watch it if someone said grant you could come down to the niners facility um all week and watch as many as you want i would say i'm there sorry excuse me i'm freaking there as your as your, as your channel i'm freaking there i want to be there did i ruin it i'm sorry i didn't say no i mean i'll bleep it out when i do the podcast okay bleep it out it's fine um i think yeah i i think that kyle would say look am i going to watch that and incorporate that stuff into my game plan plans probably not can you glean other stuff from it how walsh runs the meeting all that stuff yeah you probably could might be interesting you don't know. That's the whole point of an experience of a journey. Nicholas says, as much as I love Debo, I disagree with how he handled it, but that's let's not forget he's still young and hopefully we'll learn from the situation. Okay. It's yeah. not a huge deal, first of all. Like Debo, isn't that young. Well, yeah, but like it's not like a scandal. It's just, hey, this was kind of a jerk move. 
I, I want to say that too. I don't think this is like the end of the world. I don't think he helped himself. I don't think he helped the organization. I wow. think that's basically what I would try to say. Like, dude, you didn't help the Niners. You didn't help yourself. Some people you, think it was cool. It didn't hurt it too much, but I feel like you could you're not the face of the team. You're not the voice of the team. You're not the face of the team. You don't have a profile. You don't have sponsorships. You're not playing the game right. And with your ability, like in your and your name, and I mean, he should be one of the most famous players in the NFL. He was flirting with it in 2021. And last year was such a backsliding year that I don't yeah. know. It's too bad. He should be the man on this team. He should be the most famous player on this team. He really he should transcend that. sports with a name like Debo and the way he plays. Thayer he is said, Debo. On Mitchell's rookie year, Grant said he was fantastic catching the ball. Anyway, we balance that out and try to use more since he's injury prone. Um, Did yeah, you compliment I, I, Elijah Mitchell's hands? I mean, he's a, he's a guy you could throw a screen to. I, I, he's not the same kind of receiver as McCaffrey, but he's throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. You could do something. They don't really do that very much with Mitchell. They used to throw the ball a lot more to Jeff Wilson Jr. But, uh, yeah, I think they need to use Mitchell and Mason. That's the thing. And throw the ball to Mason, too. He has hands. Throw, throw the ball. Throw him. Throw him I'm ball. all for it, man. Yeah. The, the less stress more, you can put on McCaffrey. More screens, too. I feel like Purdy, in particular, throws a beautiful screen pass. All the different arm angles, sidearm, quick release. Very natural. As opposed to Trey, who's like, a pitcher who fields a ground ball and is trying to get it to first base. It's like, okay, what's, how do I do this? Should I run it over myself? Should I just underhand it? Yeah. I have to say when Trey throws a screen, you're like, okay, he got yeah. this. This was a good one. Like Purdy can I'm handle that. You feel good about that. Maybe they're going to do a two quarterback system. I'd love to see it. I, I don't Brock strikes me as the kind of guy that would get a little touchy about that. Who too. cares? <laughs> Sorry, I Brock. Agree. Sorry, Brock. Take you your $400,000 a year and be happy. <laughs> talking about you know the team no, would you, you have two quarterbacks who are somewhat limited two quarterbacks who haven't established themselves they complement each other you tried it a couple years ago both are coming off surgeries i don't know why not why not why not maybe maybe they will and that's their plan and yeah. they don't want to maybe tell three quarterback system maybe they're gonna have sam donald out there doing something maybe he'll be the center and you know what brandon allen four quarterback system there you go if Kyle does that, I'll call him a genius. If he gets four quarterbacks in the field at one time, I'll call him a genius right there. Can I just clarify and say that I actually really like covering Kyle Shanahan. It's fun giving him shit, and I appreciate that he takes it in a good uh, spirit. He's a cool guy. Everyone, There's a reason why players like Kyle, uh, coaches like Kyle, and coaches I respect, Robert Sala, really likes Kyle. You know, I'm playing a role here as like Kyle's, uh, as like the, um, if he's Muhammad Ali, I'm Howard Cosell. He gets it. I get it. It's fun. I think it's part of pro sports. You got to have someone at your neck all the time. And I'm that guy. But it, it's not personal. And I actually don't. I, I say, like, fire him or trade him. I really don't want him to go. I enjoy I know him. We've built a rapport. He's fun. He's a big name. If they fired him and, and brought in a guy like Ben Johnson or, you know, generic Coach B, that would suck because <laughs> he might be a jerk and he might get fewer clicks. So, Kyle, respect. Wow. I like Kyle. Well, none of this. Yeah, I, I guess it kind of with a head coach. Sometimes it's easier to to go to the personal side of things because a lot of their job right. is how they manage people and handle people and leadership. Yeah. Right. Whereas with right. players, it's like, hey, this dude's hands just aren't good enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, there's not like one thing with Kyle would be like, man, his hand eye coordination is the reason right. he's losing this game. It's like, no, no, no. We're trying like we're like playing amateur psych psychotherapist here. Um, but anyway, yes. he doesn't hold he doesn't hold it against. I feel like early on he didn't like me at all. But then when you work with someone for seven years, 
you kind of just be like, all right, man, you're you're a prick, but uh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't like criticism, but also, like, you can't sit there and say, no one should ever criticize exactly. me ever for anything. Like, exactly, that's, yeah. 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 And he now, probably feels like I go below the belt sometimes, but he probably also feels like I'm on point sometimes. And if, you know, it might hurt, but it's like, you got to give me credit. At least I know enough football to be like, hey, how come? How come Hassan Reddick was getting blocked by Tyler Croft right after the game? I'm sure he didn't like the question, but at the same point, he knew that was the question. Was I the think question? he would tell you also, like, until he does win a Super Bowl, there is a huge thing to criticize sure. him about. For sure. He, knows. he would admit that. He, he would too, yeah. So like, Kyle seems like a cool guy. Like, for example, compare Kyle to Josh McDaniels, okay? Josh McDaniels is another micromanager who thinks he invented football and thinks he like pretty much developed Tom Brady. Like his ego is in another stratosphere too. And he's got the rings to back it up, but no one says anything nice about Josh McDaniels. No player, no coach. They hate no playing one. for him. Everyone hates Josh McDaniels. Like he's like, everyone hates Chris. Everyone hates Josh. No one talks that way about Kyle. There's gotta be something about Kyle. And I get it as someone who criticizes him for a living. I like him. I get it. He's a likable person. He is. He, is. he just, he has flaws as a head coach, as every coach does. It's just, I think the people that criticize him most, like you, would say his flaws are the reason they haven't won a Super Bowl. Well, he also has a lot of strengths, and I think so many people like to flex their football knowledge by saying, he's like the cult classic. You know, he's like that movie that didn't win the Academy Award that everyone, when they turn 17, says, that's my favorite movie. He's like Boondock Saints. <laughs> Good movie. You know what I mean? It's like everyone goes through that phase. You're like, oh, man, have you seen Boondock Saints? Like, that's the best movie ever. Like, <laughs> No, but I know why you would say that. And a lot of people feel that. You know, it's, it's, he's the Boondock Saints. And I'm just like, yeah, no, it's not the best movie ever. But it's good. I mean, Willem yeah. Dafoe is nuts in that movie. He's a good movie. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is yeah. nuts. If you haven't seen that's Boondock Saints, go see it. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> it's an excellent, excellent movie. Anyway, I feel like we got heated on today's show. We did. We do. I think we did a couple weeks ago too. We we have some good uh, arguments. You bring it out of me. It's fun. But then we change gears quickly. I think it's, we do a good job. That's true. Yeah. Uh, like and subscribe to both YouTube channels. Grant's YouTube channel, the Gold Standard YouTube channel. Rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Thank you, everybody, for the chats. We just went over four thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel on my side, so I'm happy about that. Appreciate the support, everybody. We're tracking down Grant. Only got another like sixty-five thousand to go, and we'll be there. Let's get but started, baby. Have a good week, everybody. See ya.